Hello and welcome to episode 22 of the African Tech Roundup. It's Monday and as always we round up the week's most important technology, digital and innovation news from across the African continent. My name is Andile Masugu, broadcaster and entrepreneur and holding it down with me is my good friend and co-host on the African Tech Roundup, tech entrepreneur and executive editor of iAfrican.com. Defo Mohapi, how's it my guy? I'm good man, how you doing? Chilled, man, chilled. Pretty excited because today we have a special guest joining us on the show in Joburg on business all the way from Lagos, Nigeria. It's the highly opinionated and always interesting founder and CEO of Jovago.com, Marek Mzislowski. I hope I said that right. You're getting better. How are you doing, guys? <laughs> oh, you heard me butcher it on the show before. Oh, my word. I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> You're getting really big. You're really good at it. <laughs> okay, you say it. Zmyslowski. Zmyslowski. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, call me Chinedo like everyone in Nigeria. <laughs> oh, that's dope. So how do you say that again? Chinedo. 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 All right. We'll, get, we'll keep it at Chinedo today. Thanks for being part of the highest rated ATRU episode to date, by the way. Episode 7, entitled Mark versus Marek. Quick question for you before we carry on with the show. Have you and Mark Essien finally come to consensus about whose hotel booking platform reigns supreme? No comment. (laughs) (laughs) Expected. That was expected. I thought I'd sneak that in, man. Listen, if you're joining us for the first time, you've got some catching up to do, buddy. Head straight to africantakeroundup.com to catch up on what you've been missing. And while you're there, sign up for our weekly newsletter to get the podcast sent straight to your inbox every Monday. You can also follow us on Twitter at African Roundup is the handle and also on facebook.com forward slash African Tech Roundup. Leave a comment on our website too. In this week's discussion, a little later on, we discuss just how important profitability is for startups and we'll try and determine whether or not aiming for positive cash flow should rather be the focus for startup founders looking to succeed in the long term. But first, this week's African Tech Roundup is brought to you by Imagination Info Solutions. Now, Imagination is an information management and consulting company that helps businesses create reports that are meaningful and insightful. Reports that actually assist business people make good, solid, data-driven decisions that impact the bottom line. Here's Richard Bezadenhout, MD of Imagination Info Solutions, on how he and his team helped an established logistics business overcome a debilitating challenge. Traco Limited had a problem with diesel theft and determining the true fuel consumption of their trucks. Any additional costs, including and especially fuel costs, had a significant impact to the profitability of their business. We built an Excel workbook that had all the key elements of information to measure a journey. With these variables, we were able to calculate the cost of fuel and just how much fuel should be used for a journey within a 10 to 15 litre margin. Tricon is now able to manage the cost of each trip with ease and greater success. An added advantage is the ability to provide accurate cost estimates to customers in just a few simple clicks in a clean, simple-to-use interface, and it's all done using Excel. If that sounds good to you, visit imagination.co.za to find out what Richard and his team can do for your business and discover why clients are raving about their information management solutions. And this week, we've received an audio comment from a listener in the U.S. who wanted to share her take on an issue we discussed several weeks ago in Episode 2. Back then, we asked the question, does diversity matter? This in the context of trying to determine whether diversity contributes to improved corporate performance and better products being developed by tech companies. Take a listen. My name is Elen Awalam. I am an Eritrean American uh, calling from San Francisco, California. 
I will be addressing the, co- the question of the importance of diversifying the technology industry, specifically how does it affect a company's bottom line and how does it affect the services and products which are shipped by a company. Currently, I am the acting director and founder of an organization called Ola, which supports and advocates for Latina, Native American, and or Black women in the technology industry. To answer the question, if uh, diversity doesn't occur, then the types of products that are being made are not a reflection of the people that it serves. The United States in particular is a rapidly changing society society if technology companies continue to ignore the majority of their users such as let's say for example uh, a product like twitter uh, the majority of twitter's users are african americans under the age of 35 and yet twitter's company twitter's uh, actual employees are not reflective of these statistics. Um, That is a huge lost opportunity uh, to generate revenue for the company and also to to foster just a more inclusive industry in general, which is um, reflective of, um, of, again, of the type of world that we're living in which not only in the United States, but around the world, things are shifting. Um, For instance, Africans will uh, constitute the majority of the world's population by the year 2015. So thank you for having me. If you'd like us to include your audio comment on any of the topics we've covered in past episodes, you can email us using hello at africantechroundup.com or give us a shout on facebook.com forward slash africantechroundup or hit us up on Twitter using the handle at African Roundup. And our team will get right back to you. And now, on to the news. First up, it seems that the chronic political uncertainty plaguing the Sudan hasn't dampened the desire of Kenya and South Sudan to improve communication and improve trade relations. The two countries are set to start work on a multi-million dollar high-speed fiber optic cable within the next two years. Good stuff, yeah? Yeah, good stuff. But I wonder who it will benefit. Most likely businesses and not uh, consumers, considering, I mean, the type of phones that consumers in both countries use. They're probably thinking in terms of stability and the sort of things that will deliver socioeconomic stability between the two nations. Uh, Kenya obviously invested in their neighbor, wanting as much stability as possible, but also lots of opportunity in, the, in, in South Sudan Kenya wants to be a part of. Yeah, definitely. I, as I say again, probably mostly looking to benefit first businesses and enterprises and slowly filter down to consumers. Roads being a part of this infrastructure plan, uh, millions of dollars being thrown in. The World Bank at the party. I think a lot of people believing in the region. That's good to see. Well, next, staying with Kenya. Apparently, Kenyans are fed up with being ripped off by multi-choice, who they say are charging ridiculous subscription rates for DSTV. The Consumer Federation of Kenya has called for a boycott of DSTV and started an online petition, which has so far attracted over 3,000 signatures. Is that a lot? That doesn't matter to me. I don't get it. These are like drug addicts complaining that the drugs are expensive. They should just quit it. The thing is, I didn't know that um, 40% of multi-choice uh, Kenya is actually Kenyan-owned. 
Wow, yeah, that's interesting. But well, let's go back to the issue here. I mean, let's break it down a little bit. Multi-choice charges what they charge. As in South Africa, it's pretty much expensive for the average person. It's a luxury item. It's a luxury service. It's not something that you need to live day to day. Both countries, South Africa and Kenya, have national television stations. So I don't get why people are up in arms and writing petitions. It's not like the CEOs and the shareholders of multi-choice are going to shake and look at this and go, ooh. Well, the thing is, there is no competition. Uh, the last competitor to DSTV has since left the market uh, a, while, a while back, and now DSTV is essentially a monopoly in this market. They feel, I, I suppose, with, with two players in the English Premier League, which apparently is what most Kenyans are, are watch DSTV for, they really just want to be able to watch it, I guess, for free? Nah, not going to happen. <laughs> I think it's a good sign for you know the growth and the development of Kenya if these are their problems today. Yeah? <laughs> Hashtag first world problems, right? <laughs> Hashtag first world problems <laughs> well man well, look listen um, here's to hoping that DSTV hears your cry um, Kenya they're actually quite upset because they feel like a lot of the, the, the packages that come you know belong below the premium DSTV packages don't include the e, you know the EPL and they feel like this is intentional this is turning us into essentially what you call them drug addicts and the only way we can get our fixes by paying the absolute premium this is unfair yeah, but apparently also Nigerians wanted to find out when it's coming to Nigeria so that they can also start boycotting. I mean, it's like it's like Narcotics Anonymous. <laughs> Again, hashtag first world problems. I really don't get it. <laughs> well, you mentioned Nigeria now where e-commerce platform Udala is keen to pull an Amazon. The company says it's preparing to roll out a traffic-beating drone delivery service. For real? That's interesting, but they say they're waiting for some permits, I understand? Yeah, that too. That and they haven't actually tested it. They've only bought the drones and they say they've got partners in the Far East that are helping them put it all together. How excited are you? Is this something that um, Nigerians are going to be excited about? I'm excited and confused at the same time. I'm just asking myself a question, how a drone will get cash from me? <laughs> because most of the purchases are actually uh, cash on delivery based and also um, in Nigeria we have a very very serious issue of localizing the customer because it's really hard to find where the house is just based on the number and the street name so as long as we will sort out uh, some sort of a more precise GPS location dr drawn to customer um, sure that could work it's not going to solve all problems I actually I think of it as a very nice uh, addition uh, and optimization of all the, all the logistic uh, challenges but it, it's too much of a leapfrog um, I would expect expect for um, pickup stations in Nigeria to, to be much more developed because that's what actually is helping in, in those lo logistic challenges and that last mile which is the most expensive uh, part of um, delivery so dro drones yes but as a cherry on the top let's not forget about the fundamentals here Valid point that China raises in terms of uh, cash on delivery because most purchase e-commerce purchases in Nigeria and slowly across the continent are cash on delivery. So you order online, they deliver your goods, you pay to the guy in the Okada and you pay him whatever you need to pay him for your goods. So with drones, as China do says, how are you going to collect cash? So I guess it's, again, first world problems. Look, this is also in the wake of the Nigerian government's announcement last week saying, you know, the ports are just infested and rife with corruption and they're going to start using, you know, drones to police them. Perhaps Udala is thinking, hey, the government might be open to this. Uh, we want to be first in line when, when, when the government actually says, 
anybody want to send stuff with drones? Yudala wants to be there. Uh, all we want to know is Nigeria. As soon as you start those, start seeing those drones flying in the sky, we want pictures. We want to be the first to know. Hashtag ATRU. You know how to do it on on Twitter as well at African Roundup. Moving to South Africa now. It would seem that South Africa's largest online news platform, Nasbers-owned News24, has finally opted to disable public comments to articles posted on their website. This in an attempt to silence trolls. Very interesting. I mean, News24 is known for very vile comments. I mean, any article, despite how remote it is to any vile commenting, just gets vile comment. They've disabled them, but I noticed earlier during the week that they have now Facebook comments. So those are not stored on their servers, obviously. So those are stored on Facebook servers, but they're not indexed either, So the, which is cool. There's two ways to look at this. Firstly, there's the prejudice and hate speech that has become synonymous with the News24 platform, something they're very clearly wanting to, to move themselves away from uh, on one hand. On the other hand, this seems to be a move backwards in, in the sense that the Internet's designed to be this platform where things that perhaps can't be said or shouldn't be said in certain ways in real life can be aired freely without censorship. So between a rock and a hard place, don't you think? Well, I think that's why they introduced Facebook comments because many people were hiding behind anonymity so that they can comment as they like. But now with Facebook comments, you really have to, to hide your identity. You really have to go through the trouble of creating an anonymous account that's not linked to you and use that to comment on News24. But in this case, most people will just comment using their Facebook account and chances are they'll be more considerate. I, for one, don't have faith in any news organization to be the sole proprietor of what I should know about the world. And certainly if they were to cut off the voice of the people altogether, I'd have a problem with that. Yeah, true. I mean, the internet opens up communication, so and so it should be. But they've left Facebook comments, as I say, and that should help. Some interesting news from Facebook, now that you mention it. Uh, they've released their second quarter African user numbers uh, in the past week, and those numbers reveal some very interesting things, including that over 80% of the 120 million Africans using Facebook access the site through their mobile phones. Surprise, surprise. What's interesting is that two-thirds of all internet users on the continent have Facebook accounts. Counts. What's even more interesting to me, and I'd like you to come in on, on this, Chinedu, is that uh, you know Nigeria has 15 million users apparently, uh, South African 20, 12 million, Kenya uh, 4.5 million. Between the three countries, more than a quarter of Africa's total Facebook users are found in these three countries. What do these sort of numbers say to you, running a hotel platform business? Yeah, it's very exciting. Before I answer your question, I can either throw an anecdote about the perception of Facebook versus the perception of internet among um, internet users. There's been uh, some survey done, I think, in Southeast Asia and also in Africa, when they checked, of course, asked people questions, do you use internet, do you use Facebook? And they realized that more people answered, I'm using Facebook than I'm using internet. And they thought that that's a mistake, there's something wrong with the survey, where actually it wasn't a mistake because people don't really know that they're using internet while being on Facebook. So obviously an amazing opportunity for me, for Jovago, to, uh, to, to get in touch with customers especially for travel social media is a perfect is a, is a great um, tool to uh, market your product now at the same time it's very tricky to do it in a proper way because just because you have access to all the people that doesn't mean you can easily market your products you can as well very easily destroy your brand if you're not going to do the marketing campaigns um, in a proper way so a lot of learning to do I think uh, no one from online travel sector has really figured out like the really properly cracked down uh, into details how to um, use the social media potential into growing your business because you know just as the, uh, launching a fan page and posting some uh, posts with some nice pictures this is not what it's all about in social media. 
I would say, though, that one thing's for certain. If you're even thinking about not being on Facebook, I guess <laughs> that ship has sailed. You, <laughs> anybody not thinking about being on Facebook, it's, 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 it's the, I suppose, in many cases, the equivalent of deciding not to be on the Internet. Well, listen, uh, to the point you made earlier, two-thirds of all Internet users in Africa are apparently active on Facebook. This is crazy. Again, we've covered many, many times, it, it, especially uh, around the issue of Internet neutrality and uh, this idea that Facebook is taking over the world is real people it's real no it's real i'm i think Chineru alluded to that most africans access the internet via facebook and they tend to confuse it with uh, with being the internet and with internet.org that's perception is just going to deepen well to our next story now the startup innovation arms of singtel orange deutsche telecom and telefonica are joining forces to launch an initiative that aims to quote bridge the startup ecosystems across southeast asia africa europe latin america and the middle east close quote. For selected startups who it's not yet clear how they will pick, some serious investment partners are being brought on board in order to add some real value as they put it. This is all good news but I'm a bit skeptical when we hear such news about bridging the startup ecosystems across various continents because I believe ecosystems are built by the players in them. So startup founders in the ecosystem build the ecosystem and you're not going to get an outsider from who's not a startup player in that industry who's going to build it. Well, this consortium might argue that successful startups require significant partnerships and a lot of money. They're talking about investment partners like Active Venture Partners, Group Axon Partners, Group Coral. It might be argued that with the right expertise and a lot of money, you can crack a code. I don't believe you can train an entrepreneur. Firstly, from the soft side of the soft skill side of things, it comes from within. You need to want to do it. You need to have that burning thing inside you who wants to do it. And you have to just dip your feet in and do it. You can't handhold somebody for all the time, no matter how much money you throw at them. Listen, uh, Chinedu, you <laughs> are very friendly with some uh, outside interests. And by outside, I mean uh, offshore interests who have since come to Africa and had some success at cracking this market. What are some of your thoughts when you hear news like this? When I read all these fancy sentences like bridging the startup ecosystem, I was like, come on, like, are you an NGO? Is this a CSR uh, campaign? It's all about investing money. Like, You have to have uh, indigenous uh, local entrepreneurs. They need money. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to learn by spending someone else's money and they're going to sooner or later uh, during that process create uh, successful companies. Any type of um, activity that helps in bringing more capital to our markets is very useful. Uh, Africa in general does not hurt uh, because of lack of money, because there are many local African investors. They're just not interested in IT as much as we would like them to be. So we need that uh, foreign um, capital to, to create um, uh, that interest. And once you see first successful um, African-based tech startups that will make a lot of money going public, for example, that's when you're going to see, for example, Nigerian or South African investors that usually put their money into mining or oil or land. They will say, oh, there's actually some money to be made in IT. So Yes, it's great that we have more and more investors interested in Africa. I just don't understand those those fancy words with, <laughs> around this. Shame, you know what they have said though. They they, they want to. They're reaching out to existing co-working spaces, incubators, accelerators, and saying, "Hey, we want to join the dots. We want to find some of the best." What I feel is lacking in in the press release is, quite frankly, how are you going to pick these people? How do you intend to to to, to build rapport to get your hands dirty, like you said earlier? How, how are you going to how are you going to get to know Africa because we're not just waiting for your money though you know what I mean 
All sounds like Kumbaya to me. On cue, Kumbaya. <laughs> well, listen, finally, a quick reminder to anyone living in South Africa who actually cares about cybersecurity, which I think, sadly, <laughs> too few of us do. Uh, public comments on the proposed new cyber crimes and cybersecurity bill are to be submitted to the Department of Justice and Constitutional Development on or before November 30th. Important stuff. Very important. Just to emphasize, guys, please visit the website. We'll tweet it out on our account. Send out... Oh, and Chinedu's taking a selfie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's very interesting. <laughs> very interesting. But back to the serious stuff, cybercrime bill. Please submit your comment. This is very serious. Don't let it be like the internet censorship bill where nobody participates. And once it becomes an act, everybody complains. This is absolutely true. Um, A lot of what's uh, spoken about in this bill, or at least outlined in this bill, involves the steps government would take in addressing the issues with cybercrime. Really important, guys. The South African government is trying to fix a a very expensive problem, um, which should matter to to all taxpayers in this country. Something like uh, an estimated 90 million US dollars are lost to criminal activities that are done on the web. And um, the government needs to be empowered to basically crack down on these uh, sort of uh, activities and syndicates. And this law, these laws are by and large uh, going to enable them to do that. If there's anything in there that we think will infringe on our rights, we need to say so now. Yeah, and also they propose certain fines for cyber crimes in that bill, like uh, anything from ninety thousand US dollars right up to nine hundred thousand US dollars for any criminal found performing cyber crime. I mean, last week we covered uh, some criminal activities, uh, which. I'm sure gave us a chuckle, but um, in the same breath, we need to be proactive. We are affected by this, many of us living in South Africa, and we need to care more if we don't already. Definitely. Guys, don't forget, we'll tweet it out. Go and put your comments regarding this book. Alrighty then, in our discussion today, we ask, how important is profitability for a startup and whether being cash flow positive is perhaps more important than being profitable? Now, if you're confused by that proposition, uh, <laughs> let me break it down a little bit. Iroko TV founder and CEO Jason Njoku recently shared something on his blog this week that he initially shared in a radar discussion nearly a month back. Now, he was responding to a question posed by someone on Radar asking you know, how many Nigerian startups are, in fact, profitable. What was Jason's take? Well, in his, in his view, profitability is overrated. I'm not sure it was the clearest article in the world, but I'm glad we have a startup founder with uh, his roots very firmly in Nigerian soil here today. Uh, maybe you can kick us off. How many, in your view, uh, Nigerian startups do you think are profitable? And does it is this an important question to ask? Right. In order not to get too confused here, I think we should start with a proper definition of a startup because there's as many definitions as people that talk about it. So let's say that for this discussion, a startup is a company that tries to make some change in the market. doesn't matter what that change is, but with that change, wants to make some money. But a startup at the same time is still trying to figure out where that revenue stream is going to come from. Growing quickly? Is that an important um, indication of whether something's a startup or not? Yes, but that's not the only thing. Uh, you have to grow and you have to have customer retention. You need to grow and you need to be sticky. And I think as long as uh, doesn't matter what type of uh, startup you're um, uh, you're running, as long as you're getting new customers and old customers are staying, uh, and, and you have funding from the investors, uh, that that's the right direction. And and. For the profits, especially with tech startups, with the funding and what's going on with technology and how startups are run and how startups are funded nowadays, um, I wouldn't use the word profitability is overrated. It just move moved in the priority list on mm, further positions than it used to be with those old school um, businesses. 
And I know, therefore, you're a big fan of revenue. Huge. Cash flow fan. I mean, I think profitability and the, disc- uh, the points that Chinedu raises are more pointed towards VC-backed or funded startups, which is fair. But for the average tech startup or even the ones that are trying to disrupt the market on the continent, most of them don't even have backing. Like we alluded to earlier, most uh, investors on the continent would rather back traditional industries and tech startups. So I think profitability then becomes a big issue if you're an early-stage startup more for most of them. Right, so let's try and clarify this further. Therefore, try and explain this to me and in the same breath sort of explain which one in your mind is more important for a startup. Yeah, let's break it down. I mean, cash flow positive, you can be cash flow positive and not profitable in a sense that if you funded or VC-backed, so you've got cash in the bank and your burn rate in terms of your expenses monthly are far lower than what you have in the bank so every month you cash flow positive but when you start looking at your balance sheet in terms of your liabilities you still owe your investors money or you still have some loads so you are cash flow positive but you're not profitable in terms of what's more important i think for most tech startups on the continent they should try as early as possible figure out the business model and figure out how they make money out of it and try and be as profitable as soon as possible because let's face it this is not silicon valley you have the benefit of being at the helm of a, a highly investable business you've, you've you've taken on investment what sort of priorities do you make in the context of what we're discussing well definitely growth growth that is sticky um, in terms of um, in terms of users when you run a startup there are actually two strategies and you have to choose one you're either going to uh, d- divide your focus between running a company and searching for profitability or you're going to direct that focus into uh, looking for additional funding and uh, I don't think there's a perfect solution here if you're going to focus on chasing profitability you're going to lose that speed in growth and now depending on what type of market you're in you can uh, lose that window of opportunity because instead of doing growth uh, you were focusing on the profitability maybe too soon. And I'm not saying that this is a w- worse solution. There are just two different um, strategies depending on the market, depending on the product, depending on the startup. One of them is better. It sounds almost counterintuitive to the traditional mindset of very big business, listed business with shareholders that expect profitability because that's how they enjoy a return. So on some level, is it not a cop-out that startup founders use to give them time to grow or do all these lovely things? Or is this something that's unique to a startup environment where an investor is really thinking in terms of exit and not staying the course of you know, being involved for a long time? I think it's, it's, it's a thing of the startup environment and of the way that startups are being run and how the VC um, is actually, or VC environment as well is also um, working. You can build a company to, to build a value or you can build a company to generate profit or you can have both. And it all depends on the stage of the company. It all depends on the, uh, on the market. But I would say that definitely for a startup ecosystem, that growth is, is much, much more important than those typical you know, old school businesses where that growth is not um, possible to be on a, such a um, fast uh, level. So you've been rubbing shoulders with quite a few corporate leaders for very large hotel groups while you've been here. Obviously, businesses that run on a very different model to the one you have, and yet you're in the same room with them. What sort of differences in mindset do you as a startup founder, being in a room with people who come from that world, notice in in their approach to business and growth and all these things? It's like two different words. Uh, remember that when you have a hotel, there's only so many rooms you can you can sell at any given point of time. And for a, when you manage a hotel, it's all about optimizing that sales 
uh, versus the potential of, of the sales that you have. If you have 100 rooms, you can only sell 100 rooms and you do everything to have always 100 rooms. Jovago is an online travel agency that brings customers to mm, hotels. They understand the necessity of working with Jovago. At the same time, they're afraid of Jovago becoming too important and too strong in the market because that's when they think we will be able to also shape changes in the market that they may not necessarily want um, want to see. I agree with Chinedu. There are two different models that one needs to choose very early on to either go with growth or profitability. Most times, probably he's right. If you choose profitability, you'll probably end up being for a very long time a small and medium business and never growing as fast as a startup should. So yes, but again, I go back to the environment of the continent. I'd say... 80% plus of startups, even tech startups that start on the continent are hardly ever going to get funding. And yeah, they should just chase profitability from day one. Whilst I chase growth on other projects, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what do you think? Let's be, I mean, let's be cheeky a little bit here. I mean, how much of this kind of mindset is expectation management on the part of a startup founder. It all depends on the on the on the product, and it all all depends on the on the on the startup and the market the startup you're running in. And I think especially for tech startups, that growth is very important because it's achievable. Once you crack down the market and you know that you have a product that your customers love, no other sector will allow you to grow that fast. So it's a one time of opportunity. And and having said that. Uh, for tech startups, that growth chasing uh, should be much, much more prioritized because otherwise someone else will take that uh, opportunity and will overtake you. But we'd love to hear from you. What do you think? What's the most important focus uh, a startup founder should have? Is it chasing growth, perhaps uh, ensuring that you're profitable as soon as possible, or is it ensuring that you are cash flow positive? What is it you think? Give us a shout on Twitter. The handle is at African Roundup. We're on Facebook, of course, at facebook.com forward slash African Tech Roundup. We need to hear from you, y'all. Also, by the way, one of our day one fans, and by day one, I mean literally from episode one, a chap all the way from Cape Town, Mitch Wongho, has been on a case about starting a Slack group. Mitch, it's coming very, very soon, sooner than you think. <laughs> Please hang in there, buddy. And once again... This week's African Tech Roundup is brought to you by Imagination Info Solutions. They help businesses create reports that are meaningful and insightful. Reports that actually assist business people make good, solid, data-driven decisions that impact the bottom line. To find out what Imagination can do for your business, visit imagination.co.za. That's e-imagination.co.za. And discover why clients are raving about their information management solutions. Otherwise, it's a warm thank you to founder and CEO of Javago.com, Marek Smyslovsky. Thanks for having me, guys. It was a pleasure. Of course, a.k.a. Chinedu, uh, as they um, so affectionately know you there in Nigeria. Until next week, though, uh, it's cheers from me, Andile Masugo, and... Tefo Mohapi. You guys have a good one. Take it easy.